human beings, we can't commit to something if we don't know the why. If, if, if you don't know the reason, you can't show serious commitment. If a university student says, I'm going to college, and you say, why? Because my parents are making me go. His why is weak. So he's going to be a weak college student. Another college student goes to the same university, and you say, why are you going to this university? Well, I love physics. I love it. I love this subject. I want to learn everything about this subject. His why is strong. That student may be sitting in the same class, but the level of commitment, dedication, and even output later on is going to be worlds apart because he's clear on the why. You with me? So that, that, that's really important that the why should be there. Now let's bring that to Islam. Some kids, you know, we don't have to talk about the American Muslim community. Around the world, as I've traveled, I like to just speak with young people, college, university students, and just kind of just have a chat with them. Not just the ones that attend my lectures, or Islamic, they're in the Islamic scene, just young kids at a restaurant, you know, kids that are playing sports. I just have a chat with them. So, have you ever thought about why you're Muslim? And the most common answer is, I don't know, because my parents are Muslim. I don't know. The why is weak. And the why is weak for hundreds of millions of people, the why is weak. Right? And when the why is weak, then the what, because the what is, okay, now clearly this is why you're Muslim. Now this is what Allah wants you to do. Then they're like, I don't even see the point of doing this. I mean, why do, I don't understand why I have to pray. I'm a good person. I don't steal from anyone. I'm not lying. I'm not a bad person. So I don't understand why I have to pray to be a good person. The what of Islam becomes questionable because the why for Islam was never established. See, the why is the, is the foundation. It's the foundation of a building. If you don't build that, then on top of that, everything you build is weak. So Allah says in this ayah, لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلَنَا بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ First, build the foundation. وَأَنزَلْنَا مَعَهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْمِيزَانِ And then we sent along with them the law. What to do? What's right and wrong? That was the second step. The rules and the regulations. But the rules and the regulations sit on top of the existing foundation. This even happened in the seerah of the Prophet Allah built the foundation of why should people believe in this religion? Because anybody who believed in the Prophet their life became miserable. Their family left them, everybody started hating them, people started calling them crazy. They even, some of them got killed. At least they had to lose all of their assets. Look, when we talk about the muhajirun, they left, they lost their homes, they lost their families, you know. They were kicked out, they can't go back home ever again. They lost all their businesses, property, all of that just because they accepted Islam. So that why must have been really, really strong, right? But Allah built that why. And then they, when they get to Medina, they get there. Then Allah starts giving them laws, al-kitab. He starts giving them regulations, what to do. But one thing was very clear to them, that these laws that Allah has given, their purpose is something higher. The purpose of the law is actually justice. وَأَنزَلْنَا مَعَهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْمِيزَانَ Mizan means the scale, right? The weighing scale. And obviously in every culture, that's a symbol for justice, right? So they understood that the purpose of the law is to actually establish justice. But justice for who? لِيَقُومَ النَّاسُ بِالْقِصُّ People could live by justice. Not just themselves. The justice of Islam that came and the prophets that brought, brought this religion, they weren't just bringing these regulations and these teachings so Muslims can benefit. In fact, it was so human beings can live justly. It was to the benefit of all. Think of just 
that will become too long of a khutbah, but just think of a couple of quick examples that are clear in the Qur'an. When the Qur'an first came, and ayat of the Qur'an were being revealed to the Prophet wasallam. Allah was talking about a baby girl being buried alive and how wrong that is. Because the Arabs thought having a baby daughter is embarrassing, so some of them, am yadussuhu fit turab, right? And on judgment day, she's going to be asked, what crime did she commit to deserve being killed? But that child that was born was not born in a Muslim family, that was born in a mushrik family. That's not, that's not a Muslim problem, that's a mushrik problem. And when Allah says, فَذَلِكَ الَّذِي يَدُعُ الْيَتِيمِ He pushes the orphan, Allah criticizes the one who pushes the orphan. He doesn't say, يَدُعُ الْيَتِيمَ الْمُسْلِمِ He pushes the Muslim orphan, any orphan. And when Allah says, you know, وَيْلٌ لِلْمُطَفِّفِينَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا اكْتَالُوا عَلَى النَّاسِ يَسْتَوْفُونَ People, you know, the worst kinds of hell is designed for people who cheat others in business. When it comes to delivering their service and their product, they give less. And when it comes to being customer, they make sure they get full. Is this talking about Muslim transactions or all transactions? It's all transactions. So the Qur'an started talking about matters of justice even before it was talking about matters of law. Even before the laws. So the, the concept was clear to the Muslims. Everything Allah gives, the point of it, the agenda of it is to establish justice. And justice that any human being can understand actually, universal justice. Now, one quick thing, because that's, this was all my sort of foundational concepts that I wanted to bring to your attention for one larger purpose. I started by talking about Jewish and Christian history. Something happened in Jewish and Christian history which is a major tragedy among the many. And one of the things that happened is, the Allah sent these clear evidences and Allah sent His regulations so that people could have the, the people be, could be very clear about who Allah is and what does He want, and how they should live. But what happened in those traditions is some groups eventually became owners of the book. They became owners of the book. They became kind of classified information. So the rabbi class and the Philistines in the Old Testament, the Jews, there was a class among them. Only they had access to the Torah. They all, only they had access to their Bible, their book. And no, the average Muslims of their time, most of them don't know anything. They don't know anything except what they think, what they wish. Meaning they don't have actual knowledge. And they don't, they don't even have access to that actual knowledge. If they want that actual knowledge, they have to go to these licensed people, and they will tell them this is right, this is wrong, and they can't even fact check anything. Right, so I'll give you a silly example. Imagine you know nothing about cars and your car is making a little bit of noise, you go to the mechanic, right? And the mechanic is knowledgeable, you're, you're not. So he says, you need an oil change, he says you need a new transmission. In fact, you need to get a new engine. And if he tells you that, you're at his mercy because you don't know anything. You're like, well, okay, well how much is that going to cost me? Well, it's gonna be, I'm going to go easy on you. It's only $8,000 for you, you know? So that $10 oil change became $8,000 because you don't know. Not some of their scholars were very sincere. They were very genuine. They wanted to help people. And some of their scholars wanted to Quran says this. They said they, they eat people's money using falsehood. They feed people information. They try to keep the knowledge of revelation proprietary so that people will come to them. Right? That's what happened with them. Then another extreme. So this was an extreme where they were making money off of the people. They were greedy. And their, their class did this. On the flip side, what happened in Christianity, Allah talks about two things. And that's the ayah, what happened after Isa alayhi salam. 
Allah says He put a lot of love and softness in the hearts of the people who follow Jesus. Ra'fatan wa rahma. Ra'fa means they feel the pain of others. They, if they see someone hurting, they want to make that change. They want, to, they want to give them some kind of relief. And if you've had interaction with faithful Christians of any denomination, you will notice one thing among them, they have a, gent, a lot of gentleness and care about others. And they, they just want to make sure you're doing okay. There's a compassion in them. Right? And Allah says He put that in the sincere followers of Jesus. But then they invented something new. They created a bid'ah, bid'ah to start something from anew, with no origin, uh, you know, not from, from nowhere, out of nowhere they create something. And that's called rahbaniyyah, extreme monasticism. It's a big word, basically that means, well, Jesus died for our sins and he got beat up and he, got, he died for us. That's their belief, Jesus died for our sins and he was so tortured that how can I live a comfortable life? I should be tortured too. So I'm not going to get married, and I'm not going to go in the marketplace, and I'm not going to go enjoy, and I'm not going to. I'm just going to go sit inside the monastery, their their version of the masjid. I'm just going to sit there, and the whole world outside is fitna. I have to protect myself because the world is evil, and I'm just going to stay. And some of their more extreme forms even said, "Well, Jesus got he bled, so how can I be truly faithful to Jesus if I don't bleed?" So they actually developed some of their cults developed practices where they beat each other or beat themselves until they bleed with whips, with nails on them to beat themselves until they bleed They developed this, they invented it and Allah says, we didn't, we didn't tell them to do this We didn't tell them to do this But why is Allah telling the Muslims this? Why is Allah telling... The word Rahbaniyah comes from Rahab which means fear and we, actually means extreme fear and extreme skinniness like when you starve yourself two meanings come from it Right? So, Rahbaniya, the Mubalah form actually means a religion based on extreme fear and extreme deprivation. Extreme guilt and extreme deprivation. Allah tells us these extremes because the Muslims, much after the Prophet ﷺ, may be in danger of falling into similar traps. I'm not in danger of becoming a Catholic priest. I'm not in danger. I'm not in danger of becoming a rabbi. That's not the danger. But some of their habits and some of their practices might start showing up within the Muslims. They might st start developing a narrative of Islam that's based on extreme fear and extreme guilt. Guilt and fear that Allah did not put in His book, but they invented. Some Muslims might develop uh, a way of, you know, a cultish ownership of Islam. Here are the few people that know the religion properly. Everybody else is going to hell. If you want to know what is right, come to these people. You don't know, they know. Come to them. And they, they might develop that. And that, that might happen within the Muslim faith too. This is why in this surah Allah warns, وَلَا يَكُونُكَ They should not become like those who, came, who, was, who the book was given to a long time before them. What's the solution to all of this? The solution to all of this is actually in that ayah that I mentioned to you. Allah said, لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلَنَا بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ Around the Muslim world, there are, for even in Muslim countries, sometimes there's debates, should we have Sharia laws implemented in this society? Should we have these hudud implemented? You know, should we cut the hand of the thief? Because Allah says you should, we should cut the hand of the thief. So we should have that policy in our government. We're a Muslim country. We should cut the hand of a thief. But you know, if you take a closer look in some of those countries, the judge who's going to issue the order to cut the hand eats a bribe. 
the politician who appointed him got to his place by corruption and the guy who got he made the judge was also given by some family connection and then the guy that you know the where he stole from the business that he stole from himself steals and then the police officer that arrested him saw three other people steal but that's their cousin so that's okay and he caught this guy that's the reality right and then we say no 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 we need sharia law we need law you know what that is that's law without justice isn't it allah didn't just say al kitab he said al kitaba wal mizan he said al kitab wal mizan but we have this obsession with it should look like we're implementing the hudud or we're implementing these laws and if we have these laws then we're going to have what allah wants well allah wants a lot more than just the laws there's a lot more that Allah said. We skip a few things and, and then on top of all of that, a next generation comes. They don't even know. Take, this is the scariest thing. Ask the average Muslim youth, even adult. Like I come from Pakistan. My origin is Pakistan. Pakistanis here know, Pakistan ka matab kya la ilaha illallah. I go to Pakistan, I, I spoke to my parents. I spoke to my, you know, when my grandparents were alive, I spoke to them. I spoke to youth over there. I said, how much Quran do you, like do you know anything about the Quran? Like, do you know anything about Surah Al-An'am? Like, no, I'm not a scholar. Okay, what about Surah Tawbah? There's a surah called Tawbah? Tawbah. Right? They, they don't know. Because they feel the book, the book is for scholars. The book is not for them, that's for scholars. If the book becomes inaccessible, if the book becomes inaccessible, then what Allah says, Earlier on in this surah, he says, "Alam yaani lilladina amanu an taqshaa qulubuhum li dhikrillahi wa ma nazala min al-haq." Isn't it already time for believers that their hearts should be filled with awe, with the remembrance of Allah, and because of what came down from the truth? Meaning, every believer should develop awe of Allah by listening to the Quran, by understanding the Quran. Every believer. Every believer. Now if that's not there, then bayinat are not there. It's not clear to the Muslims why they're Muslim. It's not clear why the laws are the way they are. And even the Muslims will say, these laws are extreme, this policy is extreme, this is extreme, that's extreme. I don't even know why we have it. There's too much extremism. Because they don't know themselves. This is what happened to the Jews and Christians before us. The average population did not have access to the book. And were not given an education to the book. We were given a book that is supposed to be accessible to everyone. Every, and I'm not saying you should become a mufassir on your own Like you read a translation, I want to interpret the Qur'an myself That's not the point The point is, as you're learning You can ask those who know more than you And you can grow your knowledge But actually everybody's supposed to raise the bar It's not just some people that know Everybody's supposed to know And the great tragedy is We don't We, we think it's too hard to do Like learning the Qur'an is too hard to do but actually, this Qur'an, Allah said, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ We made this Qur'an easy for remembrance because it was supposed to be a revolution in all religions. In all religions, there's supposed to be a pyramid, a hierarchy, the priesthood, the pundit, the, the, you know, the monk, the rabbi. They know everything, everybody else is blind and they will dictate. You know, and they will even issue you forgiveness if they, want, if they can. You know, in some cases. You give them some money and they'll get you maghfirah. Right? That's, that's how it works. And by the way, some of that even exists in the Muslim world. Let's not lie to ourselves. Right? But all of that happens because we cut ourselves off from the word of Allah. We cut our general education. We didn't, we didn't do it. And then some of you, and it's, it's fair. I know I'm taking over my time. I'll take one more minute. It's fair. You say, well, you know, I tried to read the translation. It's confusing. 
The subject keeps changing. I tried to read the translation. It has more vocabulary than my high school English exam. This is too hard. I tried to read it. I tried to read it. Tafsir. It was complicated. I don't, I don't know how to, where to begin. Okay, fine. Well, that, the ummah's collective responsibility is to make sure that every Muslim at least has easy access to learn the book of Allah. Where do you start? What's the second step you take? What's the third step you take? And an engineer should be able to do this. A taxi driver should be able to do this. A mom should be able to do this. A 10-year-old should be able to do this. A retired teacher should be able to do this. It doesn't matter what background you have, how much you know you don't know, everybody's path towards learning should be made accessible. So they can do this in a manageable part-time way. The path should be made accessible. And that becomes a mission for us. Because we're supposed to be the people that have direct access to the book. And because we have it, we have to give that knowledge of that book to everyone else. I'll leave you with one thought from this surah. It's remarkable. In the last part of this ayah, Allah says He will put a light for you. If you follow his if you believe in His Messenger, He will give you a, He will furnish you a light in which you can walk or with which you can walk. Which has many fawaid. Judgment day, we will have a light we will walk with. Light represents guidance. Light is also described as Quran. But actually, uh, another interpretation that was offered is really beautiful, is that you will walk among people that don't have any light and they will come towards you. You will, you will carry Allah's book and people will say, what is this that you believe? What are these ideas? I want to know more about this. You become a source of light for others. You know, subhanAllah. That's what the ummah is supposed to be. We're supposed to be empowered with the book of Allah.